Welcome to the Antioch Fort Worth weekly podcast. At Antioch, our desire is to cultivate a passion for Jesus and his purposes on the earth. To connect with us in community, partner with us through giving, or visit on a Sunday morning, please visit AntiochFortWorth.com. Thank you, Brian. Love, Brian. We often get confused. We're not the same person, though. Although we both love order, we do love that. Uh, Amen. Well, hey, good morning, everybody, and welcome to church today. I'm so excited to be here with you, and I love this church, and I love the people in this church. Man, there's just a wealth of riches in this body, and we are so blessed in so many ways, and God is on the move. Uh, We're going to two services in two weeks, so not today, two weeks, um, 9 and 1045 are going to be our new service times, and... um, Man, I'm just thankful for how God is just moving in our midst right now, Uh, and it's just a really special time to be a part of Antioch Fort Worth. We're just really uh, thankful for all the Lord's doing. I want to take a moment here on the front end to introduce uh, my family to you. Uh, We've got Reagan here on the left. We got Mason. We got Rose here on the right. There are uh, twin miracle babies. Uh, Y'all prayed us through uh, that pregnancy, and some of y'all in this room really helped us get there, and... uh, we are so blessed by them. And then my beautiful wife, which I can't do this without, uh, Rachel. I'm so thankful for her. She's amazing. Uh, love you, babe. And so, uh, man, I, um, I'm excited to, to bring the word this morning. And um, my heart's a little tender, so there's just your, uh, your forewarning. Uh, but, uh, man, isn't it good? Like, nobody wants a hard-hearted preacher, let me tell you. Uh, nobody wants a, 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 stu- a tough steak. You want a, you want a tender piece of meat, right? A slow-cooked brisket. (laughs) Amen, right? Well, I've been cooking for a while, and uh, I got a word, and I hope it blesses you this morning. As I've been praying, one of the pictures that I feel like the Lord has given me uh, is just like of a campfire, and there's something beautiful about a campfire. Like, it's it's ever-evolving and changing, but uh, it's mesmerizing. It's beautiful, and in that place that uh, we're sitting, we're, we're at rest, right? We're at peace. And there's community built in that place around the fire. And so I'm just inviting you to the fire this morning to sit and to receive and for allow, to allow the Lord to minister to your heart. As we've launched into this fall, Jamie's done a phenomenal job of bringing the word to us in a new vision series for the, the next school year. And we've talked about What does it look like uh, to be a people of unity out of Psalm 133? We've sought to understand the power of Christ in the church out of Psalm 45. We've talked about the power of the generations in Psalm 145. And today I'm excited to bring a word for you uh, out of Psalm 40. And so I want to encourage you guys to invite you guys to stand up with me as we read uh, Psalm 40 this morning and honor the word of the Lord. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and he heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire, and he set my feet on a rock. And he gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, who does not look to the proud, to those who turn aside to false gods. Many, Lord my God, are the wonders you have done, the things you have planned for us. None can compare with you were I to speak and tell of your deeds. There'd be too many to declare. 
Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but my ears you have opened. Burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not require. Then I said, here I am. I have come. It is written about me in the scroll. I desire, I desire to do your will, my God. Your law is written within my heart. I proclaim your saving acts in the great assembly. I do not seal my lips, Lord, as you know. I do not hide your righteousness in my heart. I speak of your faithfulness and your saving help. I do not conceal your love and your faithfulness from the great assembly. Do not withhold your mercy from me, Lord. May your love and faithfulness always protect me. For troubles without number surround me. My sins have overtaken me and I cannot see. They're more than the hairs of my head. And my heart fails within me. Be pleased to save me, Lord. Come quickly, Lord, to help me. May all who want to take my life be shame, put to shame and confusion. May all who desire my ruin be turned back in disgrace. May those who say to me, aha, aha, be appalled at their own shame. But may all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you, Lord. May those who long for your saving help always say, the Lord is great. But as for me, I am poor and needy. May the Lord think of me. You are my help and my deliverer. You are my God. Do not delay. This is the word of the Lord. And we say, thanks be to God. You may be seated. Here's what I'm trying to tell you this morning. Uh, Jesus is committed to refreshing our hearts through shepherding our souls, teaching us to wait on him, and how to embrace brokenness. Um, our hearts are a really big deal to the Lord. And uh, the heart inside your chest that is beating right now weighs about nine ounces, give or take. And the entirety of your existence is hinging upon those nine ounces this very moment. Some of y'all understand the importance of the heart. Uh, And just like our physical lives depend upon the health of our heart, so does our spiritual lives and our walk with the Lord. Uh, We cannot ignore our hearts. And if our hearts aren't healthy, nothing else matters. Like, really? (laughs) You can work out, you can work your biceps out all you want, but if your heart isn't healthy, it doesn't matter. Jesus cares about the heart. When, he asked, when asked what most matters most in life, Jesus responds by saying, love the Lord your God with all your heart. Before anything else, love the Lord. Learn, if you learn anything, learn this. Learn how to love me from in here. It's the fulcrum of life itself. Okay, Jesus, what are, you, what are you trying to say there? And I think it's important that we need to slow down and we need to think deeply about this call from Jesus. My question for you is, have you been attentive to the condition of your heart recently? Proverbs twenty-seven nineteen: as water reflects the face, so one's life reflects the heart. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So nothing that comes out of these lips doesn't first start down here. Nothing, not a single word. Man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the the heart. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. So you don't understand the hope that Jesus has given you unless the eyes of your heart have been opened first. See the priority of the heart in each of these places? 
so that you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, so you can't appreciate the church unless your heart's opened. And it's incomparably great power for us who believe. You can't tap into the power of God until you first allow the Lord to awaken your heart. Above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. Now, I was a youth pastor for a while, and I preached this verse a lot when it comes to, like, dating. Like, I thought this was the dating verse. And, and that's good. Like, don't let some knucklehead just come and th strolling through your heart and taking this and that and this and that. That's not good. Don't do that. Uh, but I think this verse actually applies to more than just dating. <laughs> um, I think it's actually for all of us today. And when I think about guarding something, like, I'm not talking about like, oh, like, I'm talking about, like, getting down and, like, you are not going to score. Like, if this is the goal line, like, you, come on, man, I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to give it to your heart. And you're not getting across this goal line, devil. I'm guarding my heart. And I'm bring the heat. I'm serious. I might be tender, but I'm also passionate. Like, ain't nobody getting across this goal line. Like, devil, you don't, you don't have any authority here. There's no authority. I belong to the Lord. There's no authority. So he's given you the strength and ability to guard that place by his grace. And we fall and we, we fall short, but man, there's grace to guard that line. And he's there to help us with it. The longer I walk with the Lord, the more I realize that the condition of my heart matters more than I ever realized. Soul work is hard work. Don't be, don't be deceived though. You want some hard work? Talk about some soul work. Try resting. That's not easy. I'm not talking about being lazy. I'm talking about resting. There's a difference. Has your heart been broken? No, mine has. Has your heart been downcast or dismayed? No, mine has. Have you ever despaired of life itself? I know I have at different times. Have you ever lost hope that things would turn around? I know I have. Have you ever questioned if God would come through? I know I have. I've walked through seasons of my life and in my journey with the Lord where it, where it feels barren. It feels like I'm in a desert. But I've also experienced his glory. I've experienced great pain, but I've also experienced great and majestic counters with the Lord and his presence. I've questioned and wondered where he was at different points. But I've also experienced great freedom and great joy in the Lord. I've experienced great levels of discouragement, uncertainty, and despair as well. Now, initially, it might seem like, well, aren't those things like at odds with one another? Um, and I, man, the longer you walk with the Lord, the more you realize like there's no getting away from the, the despair and the discouragement and the pain. And I don't actually don't think the Lord is like, that's not his goal for us, actually. But what he is trying to do is he's trying to instill hope in the midst of that discouragement and despair and pain. He's gracious to us. He's good to us in that way. And as we mature in the Lord, uh, there, are, there are seasons where our hearts feel fully alive and connected and seasons where it feels dry and disconnected. And I just want to say, like, that's okay. Like, wherever you're at this morning, it's okay. Wherever your heart's at, it's Okay. Uh, this summer, uh, just a couple weeks ago, I got to go out to Colorado 
and got a picture of that here. And like, oh my gosh, like, you want to talk about what does it look like for the Lord to make you lie down in green pastures and lead you beside still waters? Like, man, like the Lord was so kind to me to just, to give me this opportunity where you're just like overwhelmed by just the beauty and grace of God. And I love that Psalm 23 says, the Lord makes me. Like, I don't know about you, but like, I hate slowing down. I'm gonna talk about that in a few minutes. Like, I'm always at like, how can I do this as fast as possible? God, how, much, how can I get as much of you as, I, as possible as quickly as I can? <laughs> He's like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, slow down. Slow down and, and, and see and behold my beauty. His rod and his staff, they comfort me. He prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemies. Like oil running down our beard. He fills our cup. Surely goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our life. That's his promise to us. And he's the one initiating. All, you look at Psalm 20, it's just him initiating over and over and over. We just follow. We just respond. We just receive. Allow the Lord to initiate with you and your heart this morning. So I just want right to, right now, just put your hand on your heart. Close your eyes. Lord, would you just help me, help us, Help me, Lord, to be attentive to the condition of my heart. Forgive me, Lord, where I've been rushing around. Forgive us where we've tried to just rush past our hearts without paying attention. And Lord, would we slow down this morning enough to do some heart work? Lord, we give you permission to do some open heart surgery on us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so when we grab hold of healthy hearts, man, the practicals follow. So my second point this morning is that refresh your heart by learning how to wait on the Lord. Psalm 27, 13 through 14 says, I would have despaired unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. In case you didn't get it the first time, Yes, wait for the Lord. So we see this connection between the health of our hearts and learning how to wait on God. And I think sometimes, like, I just don't think we talk about waiting on the Lord enough. But if you start looking in the scriptures, it is all over the place. Just, I'm telling you, you want to do a word study this? You want to do a Bible study this week? Just start looking up all the verses on waiting on the Lord. I hate waiting. Like, I'm the guy at the stoplight trying to figure out which lane is gonna be fastest. I'm gonna position myself accordingly. And, it, and you better go when that light turns green. I'm like, a, I'm like a gronker. Like, when the light turns green and you're not going, I'm gonna honk, I'm gonna honk that horn. Uh, and, 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 and so, you know, my wife, you know, she lovingly corrects me. Uh, I'm the guy that gets pre-checked and then I'm staying in the pre-check line. I'm like, this is going too slow. <laughs> and I'm looking over at the, the clear line. I'm like, man, that looks pretty good right now. I need to get me that. And then I just get to the gate and I'm waiting along with everybody else. 
And it's so bad, my, my, literally my Reagan, my three and a half year old girl, she likes to backstreet drive me. Like for real, she's three. She's like, dad, go. I'm like, it's red. <laughs> she's like, hurry, drive faster. I'm like, like who taught you this? Like I, I literally have no idea. Like she's literally backseat driving me. And, uh, but it's probably, you know, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. And uh, it's probably because I'm constantly trying to rush her, like, okay, like, like get, get your shoes on. Like, just go pee, like, fast. Like, just get, get in the car. Just get in the car. Uh, like, we got to go. We got to go, right? And I'm, like, rushing around, and, like, that's just, like, her normal. Like, I'm like, ah, oh, Lord, like, ah. Like, man, God, you know, I thought I was patient, and then the Lord gave me kids. Uh, <laughs> ah. Help me, Lord. But man, when we, man, hurry is just, it's just a sneaky idol in our lives. It's just a sneaky idol. And uh, James Mark Comer puts it this way. He says, hurry is like violence to the soul. It's like violence to the soul. Uh, You probably drive through your neighborhood and there's probably like this little guy hanging out. Drive like your kids live here. This ain't a racetrack, it's a neighborhood. Right, you've seen those, right? You've probably seen those. But how much of us, like, we go through life and the Lord's like, hey, like, time to slow down. No, really, because when we go through life at breakneck speed, man, we run over people. And we, don't, we can't even notice the people around us and how they're doing, um, much less care for our own souls. Maybe the Lord's like trying to get our attention this morning. He's got a little flag saying, uh, slow down. You're gonna hurt somebody. You're gonna hurt yourself. There's more to life than increasing its speed. I took this verse in Psalm 40 and I, and I felt like the Lord said, I want you to invert it, okay? So this is Micah's inversion. <laughs> I moved on impatiently from the Lord. I was running so fast that he didn't have the chance to turn towards me. I ended up so far away that he couldn't even hear my cries of desperation. I was on the wrong road entirely and fell into a slimy pit full of trash and I couldn't escape. I had no one to help me except myself and my phone with no reception. I tried and tried to claw my way out of that pit, but I just ended up sinking deeper and deeper. It's up to my neck now and I'm starting to panic. I found myself singing that same old song I've been singing since high school about what it's like to be alone, abandoned, stuck, and in despair. Nobody sees the Lord. Why would anyone trust him when he's so far away and he doesn't even care? Woo! Lord, have mercy on my soul. I moved on impatiently from the Lord. I don't want that to be my story. And I don't want it to be your story either. 
In Matthew chapter four, it talks about the temptations of Jesus. And if you look at those temptations, every single one of them is a temptation to take the fast route, to take the shortcut. You don't need to go to the cross. You can have it right now, Jesus. See that, see that stone over there? Just turn it into bread. Now. You want to be comforted? You can have comfort now. Uh, throw yourself off this mountain. The angels will catch you. You'll be famous and you'll have notoriety and relevance in this world right now. You don't need to do three years of ministry of hanging out with 12 knuckleheads. You can have it right now, buddy. Hey, come up here. You can have all the glory and of, the, of the earth. All the nations will worship you right now. Just skip the cross, bro. There's no shortcuts. And thank God the Lord didn't take that shortcut. And he said, I'm going the long way. I'm going the hard way. Isaiah 40, verse 31, but those who wait on the Lord, they're going to renew their strength. They're going to mount up with wings like eagles. They're going to run on the right path and not grow weary. They're going to walk and, and not be faint. You see, waiting is the gap between the promise and the fulfillment. This is where character and faith are forged. Waiting in the Lord is a mark of maturity, not passivity or complacency. It's knowing his promises, his character, and trusting God to bring the deliverance in his perfect timing versus taking things in our own hands and trying to make it happen and control the situation and control people. See, this is no light matter. We must overthrow the idol of immediacy in our lives and embrace a life of faith instead. Waiting on the Lord is faith expressed in the present moment. You want to know what faith looks like? It looks like waiting on him right here, right now. And it's not passive. Do not be deceived. Waiting on the Lord is not passive. Uh, the way I describe it to people is like, it's like one of those old school steam engines. How do you get one of those things moving? Man, you get in that boiler room, that furnace, and you start shoveling coal into that furnace. Before that thing even moves an inch, you got to get that, that furnace boiling hot where it's creating steam so that when your conductor says, it's time to go. You're in the engine room, you're saying, all right, kick it into gear, let's move. That's what waiting on the Lord, waiting on the Lord is shoveling coal into the furnace of your soul. So as soon as the Lord says go, you're ready to go. Any athlete that steps up to the starting line, the reason they can run that race is because they put in hours and hours and hours of training and discipline. So how we wait on the Lord is really important. So what does that look like? Well, uh, ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. You wanna know what to do today? Coming out of it today? Ruthlessly eliminate hurry. Get after it. You wanna get after something? Get after hurry. And slow down. Where do you need to just slow down and appreciate the beauty? Like walking through the, the mountains of Colorado like, I'm just trying to take in the beauty. Like, nobody runs through the Kimball Art Museum. <laughs> uh, at least I hope not. 
Nobody like goes to Del Frisco's trying to eat, eat it like McDonald's on the go, you know, like in their car, just shoving it in their mouth. No, you sit down, you appreciate a good meal. Slowing down is not an obstacle, it's an invitation in the fullness of life that actually increases our productivity. Second thing, identify where you bought into the lie that God is holding out on you. Genesis 1, it was all about, hey, God's, not, God's holding out on you, I've got a better idea, <laughs> do what I say. Um, so, Humbly embrace seasons of preparation by learning and growing and practicing spiritual disciplines, serving people around you. Get your eyes off yourself. Focus what God has placed within your control, not what he has not given you. Comparing or wishing your calling or present assignment was somebody else's. In every season, irrespective of your positional influence or economic status or age, you can always invest in others and you can always intercede for others. I don't care how old or young you are or how wealthy or poor you are, you can always invest and you can always intercede for others. Yes. No matter what. There's always a green light invitation to do those things. Yes. Third thing here is we learn to trust God's timing. Be quick, but don't hurry. I found that hurry is uh, more of a mindset and a lifestyle a way of being and, and less of, I mean, there is pace to it, but lots of it is just up here. Yep. Have faith that God wants to meet you right here, right now. Realize that you're waiting. What you're waiting on is not an outcome. It's a person. Ooh. Right. Think about that. He wants to form his nature inside of us so that when we get to the promised land, we're actually ready to inherit the promises. Good. The Israelites went through 40 years in the desert you know why? Because they, you can take the Israelites out of Egypt, but you couldn't take the Egypt out of the Israelites. Come on. He had to lead them through 40 years of preparation before they were ready to inherit the promise. He's never late. He's rarely early. But man, the Lord's always right on time. The way you go through the waiting will determine who you are when you come out of it. Where you're headed matters, but how and who you go with matters more. It's not just about the waiting, y'all. It's what he's doing in us in the waiting. All right. yep. It's finding him in the waiting. It forces us to find our life in him and not just the things he can or will do for us or we can do for him. Just him. It's in remembering what Jesus has done and resting in his character and his nature. Third thing I want to call us to is refresh your hearts by learning how to embrace brokenness. Ooh, this is a fun one. Sign me up, Lord. <laughs> Martha, Martha, you're worried and bothered and anxious about so many things. But only one thing is necessary. For Mary has chosen that which is to her advantage, which will not be taken away from her. Anybody worried or bothered or anxious today? man, I, sometimes I feel like I'm just like so easily, like any little thing like throws me out. It's like I'm walking, you know, it's like I'm walking a balance beam and just any little thing is gonna just set me off, right? But the Lord says, hey, no, I'm, I'm putting your feet, I'm putting you in a stable place where, hey, I might take some blows and I might take some hits, but I'm not gonna be thrown off my rocker, right? 
And so Mary had to be broken. Excuse me, Martha had to be broken. Not because God is cruel, because he wanted to condemn her. He actually doesn't condemn her here. He, he calls her to something better. And it's his grace and his kindness that he points out the brokenness so that he can lead her into something better. The Lord is not cruel. He's kind. It's his kindness that leads us to repentance. And so when he points out those things in our hearts, those places of anxiety or places where we're, we're not walking in hope, it's actually his kindness to us because he's like, I've got something better for you than that fear and that anxiety and that shame. Thank you, Lord. See, brokenness is the fragrance of Christ getting a hold of our hearts in such a way that we no longer rely upon our, our own resources so that he can restore and resurrect us. Mm. But he won't, he's a gentleman. He's, he's not gonna force himself on you. He's gonna patiently wait for you and invite you into that place. No one likes brokenness. <laughs> ah! But it's central to our faith. Abraham walked through 25 years of brokenness before God fulfilled his promise to give him a son. Joseph lived through 13 to 22 years of brokenness where he was betrayed by his brothers, left for dead, sold into slavery, falsely accused, and forgotten before he saw his family again. Moses took care of sheep for 40 years in the desert before God resurrected in his purpose and entrusted his people into his care. And then he got to do another 40 because the Israelites needed to get their stuff together. <laughs> Hannah waited through years of brokenness for an answer to her prayers for a child. Job suffered years, not months, for God to reveal himself and redeem his loss, physical suffering, and lifestyle. John the Baptist and Jesus waited quietly working at rooms to go in wilderness survival training for 30 years before they started ministering to the masses. Jesus had to wait, y'all. He worked at a furniture store. Brian knows something about that. Recently, I was in a, in a spot where, man, my heart was just feeling unsettled. And uh, I, just, I just couldn't shake it. Um, and it was about, you know, it was, it was about a year and a half. And uh, every year I sit down and I do like a year in review. I look at my past year and pray about the upcoming year. And uh, so I was, this was the end of 2022, so last December, and I was looking at um, reviewing year, my, my 2021 year, and uh, I, it was not encouraging. Uh, I was like, I feel the exact same way. I was like, I could literally copy this and paste it into my 2022 year in review, and it would just work. Oh man, that like just ate me up inside. Um, and I just felt stuck <laughs> in the like same old place, same problems, same emotions. And I, I was doing everything I knew to do. <laughs> I'm spending time with God. I'm confessing every sin that I know to confess. Um, I'm discipling others, I'm serving, I'm working hard, I'm getting counsel from wise men uh, in my life, I'm reading scripture, and I just, I just couldn't shake it. And I just began to cry out to the Lord in my place of desperation. I was like, God, like, why won't you give me a breakthrough? 
Um, I thought you're a God of breakthrough. And he just, man, he's like, I am a God of breakthrough. And I am the one who is going to break you. And I'm breaking off your false sense of identity. I'm breaking off your uh, finding your sense of worth and what you do and what people think of you. I'm breaking off your pride and trying to control people and lack of dependence upon me. I'm breaking off your false notion that you can fix yourself and others, and I love you too much to give you a cheap breakthrough. And so the Lord had to lead me through six weeks of just undoing so that he could build me back up with a better foundation. It was his kindness. And in so doing, um, my compassion began to return. My patience began to come back and increase. My perspective began to shift. Um, I became clear on my purpose. My focus improved, and I began to experience a deeper level of peace than I'd ever experienced before. So my brokenness was not a pain to be avoided at all costs. It was a gift the Lord was calling me to embrace. But it wasn't cheap. He had to force me to lie down and to, to, to give him space to do six weeks of just soul work on me. <laughs> he wasn't going to give it to me in my, my quick quiet time in the morning. But it was his kindness, actually. So this morning, um, man, where, where do you need to experience the kindness of Jesus? Where do you feel broken? And man, it's in those places of broke. The broken people are the only type of people that Jesus uses. Because <laughs> they're the only ones he can trust. <laughs> and so I want to call us, man, to a place of bro- brokenness. And so uh, this morning as I finish up, um, Reagan has recently been coming up to me. She goes, Daddy, I love you in my heart. And that's just the sweetest thing ever. And, uh, but she has no clue what, I, then she, her next question was, Daddy, where's my heart? <laughs> I could have told her like down here. And she would have been like, oh, okay. Like she has no idea how a heart, the biology of a heart and anatomy of a heart and how it works. She does, like, if I were to go to her and ask, hey, so uh, Reagan, explain to me uh, love. What, what is love? She couldn't give me a good answer. But does that make it any less true? It's true. She loves me in her heart. I think the Father looks at us the same way. Like, you don't have to understand the full anatomy of how your spiritual heart works. You don't have to fully understand the concept of God's love. You never will. But does that make it any less true when you say, Abba, Father, I love you. With all that, as much as I know how to love, I love you. I think it brings joy and pleasure to the Lord when he hears us cry out to him. I got that joy, 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 joy down in my heart, down in my heart. Down in my heart, I got that joy, 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 joy. Down in my heart. Down in my heart today. I invite you guys to be standing as we wrap up here this morning. And as we wrap up, a band can come out. Ministry team, y'all can come on up. And I want to read again that those first three verses. 
I waited patiently for the Lord. And he turned to me and he heard my cry. He lifted me out of that slimy pit, out of the mud and mire, and he, he gave me a firm place to stand so I wasn't easily overtaken. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. So what would it look like if we as a community embraced this kind of Psalm 40 call to be a people that know how to wait patiently upon the Lord, who know how to cry out to him, to know how to let him just lift us up out of the pit, to put our feet on a rock, to give us a firm place to stand. And then from that place, we begin to exalt him and worship him with everything, every fiber of our being. As much as we love, Father, we, we love you. I think that in that place, that's where the Lord loves to move. He loves to pour out his spirit. He loves to stir up revival atmospheres in that place. He loves to bring radical deliverance in that place. But he's also really kind to us. So this morning, if you're, man, if you're in this room and you're like, I am, my heart is broken. And you need a breakthrough. And maybe you're like me, and you're like, I've been praying as much as I know how to pray. I've done everything I know how to do to get a breakthrough, and I, 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 I just can't. I don't know what else to do. Um, I'm not saying you're, it's just going to happen right here uh, in this moment, but it might be the start of your breakthrough, right? Like, the Lord had to lead me through six weeks of, of bringing a breakthrough, but it, that six weeks had a beginning, I believe the Lord wants to bring breakthrough this morning in the house of the Lord. He wants to bring healing to your hearts. And he wants to teach us how to just wait on him and trust that he's gonna come through in his timing. So Jesus, we, Lord, we're, we're broken vessels. Lord, we're the, we're the clay and you're the potter. And thank you that it's, through broken people that you actually, for some reason, you choose to use broken people to bring glory to your name. Because it's not us. It's just you, Jesus. You are the, you are the perfect one. You are the holy one. And so, um, and if you're in this room, just with every eye closed, if you're in this room and just, you just need to give your life, your heart, you've never given your heart to Jesus. Yeah, with every eye closed, with, if, you, if your heart is just burning within you and you're like, I need to give my heart to Jesus, I just want to invite you, just right where you're at, raise your hand. Just With every eye closed, just raise your hand if that's you. I believe the Lord wants to meet you. He wants to save you and restore you and redeem you. Lord, thank you that you're our Savior and we come to you today trusting that you're going to heal us, restore us, and you're going to resurrect us in your perfect grace and your perfect timing. Our prayer team is up here. They'd love to pray for you. If you need prayer, just get someone by you to pray for you. And let's engage our hearts in worship. He put a new song in our hearts. Let's worship him. And then I'll come back and, and wrap us up. Amen. Let's, let's respond to the Lord.